All right, people, thank you. Uh, welcome to the Rich Life Projects. And today I'm talking to one of the, the legends and, and good friend for a lot of years, but just a person who's done so much in the combat sport. And not only that, on the movie screens uh, and the karate, everything, Sam Greco. Welcome to the Rich Life Projects, my friend. Thanks, mate. I hope to be rich by the time I walk oh, out of here. Hey, you will be. The Rich Life, brother. <laughs> hope, doesn't, doesn't mean you've got to have money, but you no, will be rich when you walk out of here. Great but to be here, mate. What's been happening, my friend? Uh, pretty much, you know, after, jeez, uh, we've been locked up for two years oh, over here man. in Melbourne, but uh, pretty much, I mean, I worked through all that, but uh, sort of getting back on our feet again. I'm With me, I'm constantly busy. I prefer to keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, coaching, do a fair bit of coaching, coaching. personal training. Non-stop motivational speaking um, and doing a lot of consulting with a lot of the unions around yeah, Melbourne and Australia. Yeah, yep. well, that's that's good to hear. And and as you say, like your uh, mentoring, come personal training, your your public speaking. Um, what's how how's life changed? Obviously, you had Dom Camillo Cafe that's obviously closed down now, but that was a great little spot. I used to love coming down and having a bit of a coffee and a chew with you and Hasho. Mm. Um, but yeah, after the cafe and everything else and lockdown, obviously, what's you know busyness is happening for you? Yeah, look, uh, like I said to you before, the the, the cafe. I mean, the cafe's been around for fucking donkey's years. It's 65 yeah. years. Yeah, really. You know, I yeah. happened to own it for 15 years and one of the most iconic cafes in, in Melbourne, one of the yep. first three ever to open up. Here it opened up in 1955. Yeah. So part of history. Unfortunately, the way it went down yep. yeah, in the last two years, out of my hands, yeah. greedy landlord and um, COVID pretty much tied, Crazy, tied a knot in and pretty much choked the business. Wow. So, you know, we had to make choices and it was one of the hardest choices of my life, believe it or not. You know, yeah. shed a tear closing those doors. But unfortunately, you know, if I was there today, I uh, would have been kicking myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. Should, I should have got out. But, you know, it's, it, it caused me to really concentrate on my personal training and motivational speaking and yeah. helping others, not yeah. just in the physical sense in terms of, you know, the punching and the kicking and yeah, getting yeah. fit type of thing, but more on the mental side of things. Yeah, beautiful. Building beautiful. strength and resilience. And one uh, one person who could uh, aspire to, uh, you know, aspire a lot of people in, in regards to that is, is you, my friend, with mm. uh, a lot of the stuff you've gone through. Let's go back to growing up. Uh, hopefully I'll pronounce the name, Salvatore. Let's just say Is Sam it? Greco, for fuck's sake. <laughs> brother, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to be professional here, brother. No, Sam Greco, but uh, born as uh, Salvatore. Hey, Salvatore. Want, yeah, right. Well, yeah. and good uh, Greek name, obviously. I no, it's fucking Italian. Is name, it? Oh, what am I talking about? I don't know me Greeks and me Italians. This studio's too small to punch on, but I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, please don't do that. <laughs> so growing up in Brunswick. Uh, Correct. Rough area back in the day. Very, very and, rough. And uh, some of the statements in regards to growing up in that that area, sort of that's what sort of got you in realistically in the fitness and, and the, the health lifestyle. Yeah, it did. I mean, growing up, look, growing up with a European family is fucking hard enough as it is. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up in Brunswick, it was an area where respect was earned. It wasn't given and you had to pretty much stand on your own two feet. There's no yeah. two ways about it. You know, coming from a European family too – Dad was had this motto, you know, even fucking fighting on the streets. He says, mate, come home with a black eye. He goes, I'll give you another one. He goes, really? when, you're, when you're out there, you put your head down and go for it. Yeah. You know, he goes, but if you can avoid a fight, avoid a fight. Um, and that was his mentality. So probably more, I feared him more than I feared anyone else on the street. But it was one of those things that I, I tell you what, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today if I wasn't, if I wasn't brought up in that, yeah, in true. that era. Yep. You know, it really made me hard, really made me think, um, think on my feet. It gave me a lot of street smarts. Yep. 
Um, and I think that's what's lacking oh, in today's world. 100%. You know, I was never oh, I academically oh, gifted. Yep. But uh, when it came to the streets, you know, I can talk about it till the cows come home and yep. I could, you know, teach people a few nice. lessons. I wish they made it a subject today. Oh, I could man. go out and teach it. I tell you what, and you'd be paid wealthy for it too. Yeah, and it's it really got me through life. It yep. really did. It got me through life. And, you know, and I'm not saying to all credit to those, you know, to go to school and earn an education and get a job and everything else, but, you know, a lot of the – a lot of the uh, the wealthiest people in the world don't have a university yeah. degree and a hard education. When you were younger growing up, obviously uh, your father sort of uh, liked you or pushed you into playing soccer and you took a took a liking to the soccer. Oh, I massively love soccer. Uh, soccer the, the, in the days where it was my life, it was my passion. Yep. Um, you know, anytime you'd probably see me out in the streets, I was kicking a ball against the wall, wall or – running around the basketball court with dribbling on my yep. own or with some yep. mates. That's all I did um, constantly. I, I wouldn't even never do my homework. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah I had to be forced to do my homework. My homework was playing sports, street, riding a bike or whatever. Balls. But, yeah, and, um, you know, I was, I was grateful. I sort of did that for 10 years. And then from there I had a contract issue at the age of 15, just turning 16. I was one of the youngest players to make the um, the National League, which yep. is equivalent to the A-League today. Um to make the senior side at that time and represent the state and the, in the country also. And, um, I couldn't get a free transfer after 10 years. And oh, wow. the only way to do it was my parents sort of had to fight in a small tribunal, but my dad didn't have the money then yeah, to yeah. fight it out yeah. and wogs don't fight, <laughs> fight it out in court. <laughs> they settle it out elsewhere. But that's right. so dad pulled me out. He said, you know, you're going to make a choice. So my sister was doing martial arts at the time and my life sort of changed then as much as I hated martial arts. After three months of doing it with her, yep. I took a liking to it and never looked back at soccer. Well, was that um, when you finished up or lost the sort of love, I suppose, or just left soccer? Um, was it Kyokushin you went straight into? Yeah, it was Kyokushin. Yeah, Dad had, Dad had a friend who was instructing out of Brunswick, one of the original dojos for Kyokushin here um, under Eddie Amin. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I spoke to Judd Reed on, on the Ridge Life Projects only a few weeks ago and yeah. he was under Eddie as well back when he was like 15 before he went over uh, – Overseas, overseas to Japan yeah. And that. So, yeah, that's where, that's where I started. And um, honestly, as, as, like I said to you, as much as I hated it, the physical contact of it, yep. I really enjoyed it after yeah. three months. I can honestly say this this was me and took a liking to it and never looked back and just kept going on and on and got stronger and stronger yeah. and better and better. And, the, and that you did. As, as of, I was young, even looking up to you, uh, <laughs> when you were fighting, you know, you that was around the time, obviously, you, Stan the Man was going around, Darren Hedgecock. Um, you know, Steve Vick, like all these crews, especially on like the Clash of the Titans in mm. Melbourne and and some of the big uh, promotions that you were on as well. Like uh, us, us young fella, younger fellas, we're not that that younger than you guys, but just coming from a country town and then, you know, doing Kyokushin under Mark Tyson mm, back right. in the day. Good old Mark. Mark. Uh, and then coming to the big cities and then seeing the Sam Greco, Stan the Man, that was like a – a big sort of eye opener for, for us back in the day. And it's crazy when you get to, you know, know you and be friends with you and mm. just sort of think, man, I used to idolize these crew and I still obviously do because you're such great humans. But just the stuff that you guys, when the Kyuk Shin and as I said to Judd, Kyuk Shin has like a, it had a very special spirit back in the time when Masayama was alive and it was one unit and, uh, you know, that's what I, I loved about Kyokushin. Like you go and compete and three fights a day or whatever else uh, you're doing, but uh, 
I know it was just that out of, out of the dojo life was like the Kyokushin spirit as well. Like you respected each other that done Kyokushin and it was like, it was just like this family, the Kyokushin family I found. You hit the nail on the head when you said, um, you know, I say the old man, I say Sosei Oyama. Um, it was a known fact that while he was alive, that was always upheld. Whatever you said, there was always upheld yeah, in the true. dojo and more so out of the dojo when there was that us, there was that respect and yeah, that was it. Yeah. You know, people used to look at us, why are you using to them? And that was just a thing that we did and we held our hand on our heart when we did it. Yep. And I think it was known that the moment that the big big man passed away, um, the organisation would crumble. Yeah. And sure enough. Yeah, I said that I think it, I, I think it went in that many different directions that it lost itself. Um, you know, I, I – you know, I stepped away from Kyokushin when, I mean, I had a meeting with the, with the, with the man himself, with Sosayama yeah. in Singapore, when I told him that I wanted to move on to an organisation where it was paying their fighters to get in there and, and fight and train, yeah, the side of things. And he but was- Kyokushin wasn't getting paid back then, was it? No, no. Oh, so so the, all, the, all the state national events, no, it, it, okay. it wasn't. Um, the only thing you were surviving on was sponsorships. Um that you got yourself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And if you're competing for the country uh, in the world tournaments, um, you know, if there was funding to get you over there, that was great. If yeah. not, you had to pay your own oh, way. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, yourself in a world tournament, there's 250 fighters fighting over three days, last man stand wins. And in our days, you know, there was three or four, four world tournaments that uh, no foreigners ever won a world tournament yeah. until recently, so to speak. Yep. It was always the Japanese and the yeah. way they set the draw was – you know, and I was part of it too. The way they set the draw was just tough for any foreigner. They made sure of that. Yep. But you didn't get paid unless you come first, second or third. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough caper. It's yeah, a tough yeah, caper definitely. when you dedicate your life to it. And that was the key reason, you know, I'm going into the story now we're talking to him, but that was a key reason why I decided to leave. Um, he couldn't see that initially. I remember having the meeting. He got up and just stormed out of his motel room, or stormed out of the room we were sitting in, went into another room and he came back. And I had Cameron Quinn at the time yep. who was inter interpreting for me. And yeah, yeah. So I say come back and he sat down and I was sweating profuse. I was sweating oh. out of places. I wasn't even sure I could sweat out of it. But anyway. It was, it was like fronting the mob Oh, boss. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly it. And wow. um, he came back and he just said to me, um, he says, oh, look, you know what? I'll tell you, I've got, a, I've got an idea. And he says, I've got a deal for you. I've got a, you know, a plan. He says, if you want to fight for money and you want to support your family like you say you do, what about I – Give you an invitation to fight in the All Japan. Not the World Tournament yet. You can still fight in the World Tournament, yep. but the All Japan. And I'll give you $30,000 US. And in those days, oh, yeah. it's a lot of money. 100%. I thought, wow. Then the then come out of his mouth was, if you win. Oh, okay. And if you come second, you get 20. If you come third, you get 10. No, yeah. my luck, I come fourth and, and keep further back. So, yeah, I, yeah, so I'm back to square one. So, look, I took it on board. I didn't say no or anything. I just said, look, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And that was our deal. We're supposed to get back to each other within a week. I come back to Australia. I already made up my mind yeah, that I wanted to go, and I wrote back to him. And sure enough, he wrote back to me and respected my decision. I still got the letter today. Yeah, respected beautiful. my decision. Wished me all the best. Still invited me to the world tournament. Um, from his heart, I suppose. But I suppose <laughs> when I was going to get there, I was going to get the shit beat out of me, <laughs> you know, by every single yeah, person yeah, you could yeah, think that of. Draw you know, yeah, exactly. And um, and off I went, and I never looked back. You know, yeah. but. You know, as much as also, you know, and this story goes on, but as much as also, you know, a lot of the Kyokushin heads, you know, turn around saying, oh, I've made the wrong choice. What are you doing and why are you leaving? Yeah. They still, whether they did understand or didn't understand, 
it, to me, it really didn't matter because I'd made up my choice, but it's my family I had to worry about yeah, financially, sure. you know? Yeah. So what they thought was wrong, two, three, four years later, they started coming across. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, they were hypocrites right. from that's the word right. go. So um, Probably start realising that, yeah. that that was the right choice. It was. It definitely was yeah. the right choice because it gave – look, no different to what the UFC is going through right yeah. now about paying their guys, you know. They've got a monopoly on things. 100%. Right? 100%. They can, they're the bank. Yeah. They are the major fucking bank. They're that's all there is right, to it. Dead right. They'll tell you what to do. They'll tell yeah. you what interest rate they want to charge yeah. you, everything else. If you don't like it, there's the fucking door. Out we go. go. We've got 800 on our roster yeah. and we'll keep loading it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So – you know, they got a, when you got a monopoly on something, and that's what Kyokushin had had yep. a monopoly on it. Well, he did anyway. Yep. Um, he could call the shot whatever he wanted. Mm, you know, in today's world, it's all it's, it's all, all split. Yeah. Into so many organisations. As you say, except for the uh, the MMA companies, but um, especially UFC, who dictate a lot of things. But it's like like anything over time. It all something comes to an end. Of course, it and all that, gets found out. It that, all gets found yeah. out. Yeah, and that's and that's why obviously the uh, UFC's gone through a few dramas outside of that, but the, obviously they deal with that probably day in day out with the legal side of things. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, I think some at some stage it has to be seen that the the payment wise, you know, for what these guys go through has to change um, in regards to that. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a whole new. Mega world in there, isn't it? You know, you're you're 100 right, and I can tell you categorically. And I was the instigator of this back in the 90s, mid 90s to late 90s. I got together with a few of the K1 guys, the original boys, yeah, you know, the Andy Hugs of the Andy world, Hugs, the Peter yeah. Ertz, Ernesto Hoost, Jerome Labanne, all those guys. I said, boys, we're going to do something about it. Now, looking back, we were well paid. Yeah, true. Then compared yeah. to today, we were well paid. Yeah, yeah, and. But you know, like I said, for the for the time you put in, the injuries, the the health issues, the mental issues, the whatever, something you've got to be rewarded somewhere along the line, oh, right? Hundred percent there. And you can't put a price on health, no. yeah. So I said to the boys, we're going to get together, and the only way we can win this in terms of getting more money is if we all group together, the main guys, and we hold firm. Yeah, yeah. Now there was say there was uh, twelve of us. I managed to get nine. Yeah, okay. and there was three that said no, and three the other three were major players also. Yeah, were they okay? That's because they had outside deals mm. going. They were fed on the outside. Little yeah. did we know. Yeah, I mean, we always knew, but to what extent? Yeah, yeah. I didn't until I found out. And Andy's a very good friend of mine. And when I found out his deal, I was like, "Fuck! No wonder you don't want to come across." Yeah, right. you know. But it was going to be better for everyone. Yeah, you know, and it would have set a standard. Stand, yeah, benchmark. But on that. everyone. It's 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 like a jury, mate. It's got to be beyond reasonable doubt. It's got to be everyone yep. or, nobody. or nobody, and that's what's happened. If the UFC, if the if if everyone said, up you, up you, and we all stick together, yep. everyone, yep. they'd have no choice, hundred percent. Because without fighters, they never show. But it, yeah, but yeah, I can see, I can see from the fighters' point of view because some of them are on nothing, but it's something, and that's the hard hard line. They can't go. Well, what do I do for a job if I stand strong? But you know, they don't realise if the top wigs do that. Then it just monopolises and goes. Well, we're not doing anything till we start getting paid properly. But yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. It's hard, as you as you said. It's hard gathering everyone together. Oh, of course it is. Of and, course it uh, is. And making that happen. But um, so back in the day, you were one of the best, if not the best, Australian heavyweight. Won the uh, Australian Kyokushin tournament five times, mm. and then once you went to, as you say, Shotokan, that was the the turning point. Okay, you're going to get paid to go to Shotokan. What was Andy Hug obviously come over. I think it was a is a Michael Thompson. Yeah, uh, who Andy, you fought before? Yeah, Michael Thompson. I fought in the world tournament. Andy Hug I hadn't fought before. 
Um, Bandy Hug was the first to go over. He got over there a year before I did in '93. I got over in '94. So he didn't want to. He didn't want to actually go over to Shota Khan. No, Cedar Khan. Oh, okay. Cedar Khan. Yeah, which is a break off from Kyokushin. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, he yeah he wanted to go over because he's he, the deal was there for him. Yeah. You know true. they offered him money straight yep. up and his ears pricked and off he went. Yeah. But. Andy is, you know, one of the greatest fighters ever, well, ever to live and, and one of the – virtually a brother to me. We lived together for a hell of a long time and, um, you know, after his his recent loss in the in the world tournament that I also fought him when he fought uh, Francesco Filia and Francesco yeah. Filia knocked him out yeah. with a head kick, that was a demise. That was pretty much his downfall and um, it was the way it was all structured that he wasn't happy about. Um, then when he got beaten on top of that, it just added fuel to the fire, yeah, right. his belly. And he thought, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. And he told me, he says, I'm going brother. And I said, where are you going? He goes, I'm going over to Kai County. He goes, I'll tell you more about it. And he did get in contact with it. But I was just, again, I was going on this whole fucking loyalty thing, Yeah, yeah. you know, with Kyokushin. And then when I decided to make the move, uh, you know, all hell broke loose, but at least yeah. I did it in a way that. That he didn't, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I used to tell him, I said, "Why don't you talk to the big fella? Because they don't want to fucking listen to me. Because they never have. They won't. They have their own ways." And I did it. And as I said to you, I was sweating profuse. I was yeah. sweating at a place I didn't know I was sweating, but I did it. And I'm so glad I did it because it gave me a peace of mind. So when anyone had any negativity to throw at me, yeah. it was like middle finger up. Fuck you. You can do whatever you want. At least yeah. I've done what I've done. I've been yeah. a man enough. What about in Australia? Like that was the world stage that that the ripples were. Obviously with Masayama, but. In Australia, I know with um, Sean John Taylor back in the day, Cameron Quinn, like those guys were yeah, under. No, look, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. I didn't get any support from, and I, and I really mean this, yeah. besides me competing in an event, that's the only support I got because being who I was, yep. because they wanted me as a representative. But other than that, there was no other support. Yeah. There was no other support. And when this whole transition thing came along, you know, I'd say it if they were sitting right here, yeah. you know. You you gave me nothing, yeah, yeah. you know, to support the fact, you know, to wish me all the best or whatever it may be because you thought I was doing the wrong thing. But, you know, had you all thought, you know, laterally yeah. rather than, you know, having this tunnel vision, tunnel vision you yeah. would have been in a different position today. Yeah, you know, true. a lot of them can't change because they hadn't changed before. They're not going to change now. No, no, no. You know, and they're so structured in their ways that society changes everything yeah. around them. But yet again, they're on that same vehicle. yeah. You know, yeah, they some, wonder why it's not. There's no growth. Change, yeah. You know, there's no growth. It stunts their growth. Wow. So you know, I, look, I get calls. I get calls and emails pretty much every week or every second week from organisations saying, "Hey, we've got a camp coming up. We'd love you to come along to our oh. camp from Kyokushin." But you know what? I'll go wherever I want to go and however I want to go, um, irrespective. My strength, my backbone. I'll say it here and I'll say it till yeah. the day I die, mate. Is Kyokushin. Yeah, 100%. that is that's that's been my strength. Without going through all that, yeah, all the politics, all the politics, else, the trauma, you, you, you the victories, your spirit, and your platform, yeah. foundation of life, yeah, comes from there. The and, yeah, it was, and, and I'm happy to say it. You yeah, know? yeah, and I'm, I'll fly that flag the rest of my life. Yeah, but other than that, above and beyond that, man, I've had to do it all myself. You yeah, know? yeah, had to do it all myself. So, but I, look, I, I wish the guys all the very best. Yeah. I mean, I just got back from Europe. Over in Bulgaria, see, yeah, yeah. So you're doing some seminars with, and- with all the European Kyokushin man, yeah. and they're flying strong. But they're very smart the way they've done it oh, over there. Um, they've used they've used sort of the K one the K one model formal uh, formal okay, where they yeah, have yeah. their guys competing in in you know full contact karate yep. in the ring, yeah, and also kickboxing. 
which is which is great. Yeah, which yeah, is great. Yeah, They're definitely. diversifying. Definitely, definitely. You know, if you honestly believe, well, everyone's doing that these days. Everyone's diver- diversifying. Anyway, you, now you have MMA shows that go, oh, well, let's chuck some boxing in there or Muay Thai with MMA gloves. So you have to move with the times, don't you? hundred percent. And if you don't move with the times, you just die you, out. You Simple. Stop. And you know yourself, you've done Kyokushin before. We are, and I say we, we, we we're the strongest form of karate in the world. I don't care what anyone yeah, says. I, I, yeah? I and say the same. bred some of the best guys in the world, yeah? And there's yep. a lot of great ones still there that are, that are untapped, yep. right? And as as a leader of a, of a major organisation like that has got 15 or 17 million students around the world or if yeah. not more, you know, why wouldn't you allow them to compete yeah. and diversify? Man, they're your brand. That's right, 100%. But, if they're leading the way, then yeah. that's, you're leading the way. Yeah, but it's I think it's the fear of losing Individuals. Yeah, that's what it was. Hell, I've I've found that it's it does and it doesn't matter whether it's karate these days. Some places that I've travelled, obviously Queensland, New South Wales, Melbourne. Now, it's I think it's uh, I, I always still find even when you try and work <laughs> work with other people and try and you know open your mind and learn different things. Some people aren't into allowing that to happen. I, I, to be honest, if I'm talking truthfully, I've found that in Melbourne, hard, like, because we're not from here. So no one, you know, oh, that's them. They're out of towners. They've just moved into our, our area, yeah. who they think they are. Come, And we, we've dealt with that, uh, you know, in the boxing scene, um, where if I was in Queensland, then Muay Thai, you know, we'd go down to John Wayne Parr's and spar his boys or I'd go and stay at Wayne Parr's house and train with him on the weekends knowing that we're two different gyms but it's just that that whole sort of, uh, I don't know, the, the partnership of going, you know, I'll help this dude, he'll help me or we get along as friends or whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, there's some that just, you know, you if they, they think if you they allow you in, now, he might take all what I've what I've got, take away. But then when you're into that, if you're a coach or a fighter and you've got that mindset, you're insecure, very insecure of what your actual skills or potentials is. That's my view on coaches or fighters. Um, yeah, it's funny that when you deal with that side of things, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And like I said, a lot of the old timers uh, have that sort of mentality. I think if you believe in what you teach, if you believe in your students, your students believe in you, you should be able to leave the door open and not have have a worry in the world. No, or even you know? allow them to travel, yeah. especially MMA because yeah. they've got to do so many styles. It's so diversified, yeah. And 100%. I allow my guys, my guys would come to me and say, hey, look, you know, I want to try this. You know, okay, let's have a look. Yeah, by all means, no yeah. worries. If you feel you're going to get something out of yeah, it, yeah. by all means, because it's such a diversified sport. There's That's so right. many elements to it yep. that people, the, the naked eye on the outside who doesn't understand it will never understand unless you're involved. Yeah. So- it's important that these guys get that 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 richness in their in their life 100%. through different through, through different disciplines. Yep. Um, you know, if you're doing kickboxing, besides boxing and yeah. kicking, I think boxing and know? kickboxing is a little bit different because you can have the one person. There's not like four or five different coaches because MMA you got grappling, you got wrestling, you got taekwondo, karate, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. yeah. So you got so many things where you need all eyes and skills. That's a, that's a different thing. Boxing. You know, if you're under a great coach, you can have that boxing coach. You can stay with them. You can go and spar different gyms. Mm. But even MMA, in my view, been in the game uh, as a long time, uh, like yourself, if there's a coach that has an open mind and the loyalty is with that fighter and the fighter goes, 
That is my mentor, my coach. And I see that Jimmy Crew and yourself is a great example. And then Jimmy Crew goes to Rob Whitaker's to train and, and do a little bit of work with them and comes back to the nest, so to speak. And right, this is the skills, these are the tools that we've, we've learned. That's good for you as well, because obviously they're getting taught different things that probably you aren't teaching or the surrounding coaches aren't teaching, but they get that information, bring it back and you get to use it and say, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, no harm done. Mm. And I think that's in MMA these days, uh, the diversity in being open-minded as a coach and a fighter to go and learn. And, and a good example is Eugene over at City Kickboxing. I mean, they work with Joey and Alex uh, Volkanovsky over in, in uh, Wollongong. Yeah. So they're happy to travel over there. They're happy for Joe and that to travel over there to get that team, you know, create more knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's sometimes that lacks uh, and that lacks in all sports. But I find in MMA, if you've got that, team that's open-minded and gets to learn a lot more than what they have just in their little nest, I think that that creates a great team. I think you're 100% right. You've, you've hit the nail on the head a few times there, but it all revolves around a coach, a head coach should be open-minded. Yeah, 100%. If you're egotistical, your fight is going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah? My career is done. I don't live my life through my 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 uh, fighter's eyes. No. He lives his own life. Yep. I allow him to live his own life. Yep. Yeah. I just add to it. Sometimes push him into the left, push him into the right. Yep. I basically do a wheel alignment constantly on him, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah? 100%. So if he's veering to the left, veering to the right, I pull him back in line. So yep. that's the coach's job. Yeah. And I'm a mentor. I'm a father figure. I'm a problem solver. 100%. Whatever it may be, yep. you know, I've got a – that's the job that, I'm, that job, I'm paid yeah. to do, yeah, yep. and I want to do. Yeah. So it's funny you say even about Rob Whitaker. Yeah, we went, we went over there um, – a few times now, and yep. and I tell you what, what it's done, it's done remarkable things for Jimmy because it actually sets the standards. It resets the standards for him because exactly. the very easiest thing for for fighters to do is get fucking complacent in their yeah, own home. Yeah, I know, hundred percent. And complacent complacency is fucking cancerous. Yeah, yep, definitely. I agree. If you can't distinguish complacency and you're getting too comfortable, yeah. Right? If you can't distinguish that, mate, you're going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And in today's world, and I say this to Jimmy, I said, you know, I say this to all my fighters that are coming up, that, yeah. are, that have got fights, you know, coming up in the next month or two, you know, I say, boys, girls, I don't give a fuck. At the end of the day, I need to make you feel comfortable in the most uncomfortable situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my job. Yeah. Yeah? Exactly. Because that's what the fight game is. Yeah. But how many, how many times do you see coaches and it's all about them? That, that's that's the saddest part I see. That's what I said to you before about them living their their life through their, yeah. their fighters' eyes, and that's wrong. That's wrong. Even even when you get into the the Muay Thai and the kickboxing over the years, and and you you go and set up in a fight show and out the back, and you see all the noise, and it's the coach, you know, throwing pads, works he works his fighter like for ten rounds out the back before he even steps into the ring, and you're like. That's all about that dude. Uh, like you know, whenever and I'll, I'll use it on in the boxing scene when um, when Jeff Horn and, and Glenn Rushton, like you see Glenn Rushton holding pads and he's a wild man when he's holding them, but when he's walking out with Jeff, he'll lead the way and he'll be waving to the crowd and <laughs> I'm like, well, this is uh, this is the example to me and I, he's probably a great dude. I've never met him, but that's an example to me where. It's all about the coach in that scenario. And and I think when it gets to that stage, 
Fuck your your team's going nowhere. No, I'm totally the opposite. It's it's I never take the limelight from uh, from my guys, and that's including Jimmy. I've said it to you from day one. Yeah, this is his career, mate. I'm on the journey with him. You know, if it's time to laugh, we laugh. If it's yeah. time to cry, we cry. Yeah. Uh, if it's time to work, we work. And you know, when he walks out in those crowds, mate, he yeah. leads the way. Yeah. I follow. You know, 100%. I'm his port of call when he's in there. I told him once before, as a head coach or as a main coach. I'll see the fight better than what you'll ever see it. Yeah. You know, your greatest asset when you jump in that ring is your fucking ears. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's you know, that's the privilege that Jimmy has and and a few others that train alongside you. That's where you're open-minded. It's not about you. It's about the fighter. But the knowledge that they get from you, fuck, they, oh, they can't even be put any money on it. Knowledge is powerful. I constantly say this to, to coaches out there. Get out and go to different places and yep. learn. Don't be afraid to learn. You're not going to yeah. be found out. If you don't go, you will be found out. 100%. Yeah? 100%. That's what I always say. Be open-minded. Don't be afraid to learn. If i got to learn off a white belt, I'll learn off a white belt. Yeah. Even if it's a simple technique, it does not matter. You know? True. Um, and, and that's why it, it, there's an evolution, there's a growth you know, in this this whole coaching thing, you never stop learning. The no. day you think you know it all is the day you should fucking retire Especially from coaching. MMA. Yeah. And every coach is, is, is so fast and oh. evolving so fast that we actually can't keep up with no. it. You know, I remember when I first started, It's it was interesting, you know, uh, when K1 said to me, look, we've hit this thing where pride's sort of getting in our way a little bit. We want to challenge these pride guys. And I said, well, what do we have to do? They said, well, MMA, mixed martial arts. And I was watching one of their shows and they were kicking each other in the head on the ground and everything else. <laughs> that and was, that so, was back in the Savage Yeah, so because Yoshi Ishii called us all in a room and, yeah, right. you know, in a meeting and said, you know, how would you guys like to fight MMA? You know, just a main crew. Um, he goes, I need some representatives. And me, the dickhead, when I say dickhead, <laughs> put my fucking hand up. But no one else did. I thought, well, I thought we're all in on this. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I, was, I was pretty much the first – to make that transition, but all I requested was get me the best jiu-jitsu coaches yeah. that Japan has to offer, the world has to offer, best wrestling coaches, and bring them out. I'm not going back to Australia. I'm staying here. And that's exactly what I did. And all I learned was the defense to every single takedown, every single friggin', you know, chokehold or whatever. I didn't want to know how to put on a chokehold. I just wanted to get back on my feet and fucking <laughs> yeah, punch start, on. Start you punching know? on. Exactly. So it was silly for me even to try and learn, not that I didn't learn them, but yeah. to even try and attempt to put a, you know, a rear naked choke or a, or a guillotine on a, on a say, in, for example, a, a Noguera or something, you know, with. little nog. Fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah true. That Mind was... you, there's a guy who gave me my first experience of, a head, of, of an anaconda. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was rolling around to him one day. And he got me in an anaconda. I thought the top of my head was going to fucking blow off. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was really weird. And he's got lanky arms and everything else. So I sort of learned the hard way. But it was one of those things that it was probably one of the best choices that I made. And yeah. we're still fighting with knees on the head on the ground. So, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad I, I actually took it on. Yeah. I wanted to lead the way for the other guys. And not many of the other K1 guys wanted to do it. And then I think Peter tried one. Peter Ertz tried one. Yeah. Jerome Labana tried one. Uh, I think Mark Hunt eventually got involved in it. Yeah. Um, Ray Surfu, I think, had a, yep. had a fight too. So everyone sort of went went through it. But it was a great transition. I look again, coming from the strongest karate yeah, to one of the biggest organisation K1, which was a heavyweight organisation, one of the most prestigious. Yep. You know, to fighting, you know, MMA, also wrestling, and so on. Fucking awesome! Yeah, yeah, awesome. Oh, well, it was awesome for the even the fans to be watching back in the day. As I said, watching you guys, Mark, come back in the day, even all the the overseas fighters, the Japanese fighters, and 
Uh, yeah, well, because when we were doing Kyokushin, that was like you guys have gone transition to the K1. Mm. And we're like, damn, these guys are like, but that's what I say. Like back in those days, when you, the Ernest Hoosts, uh, you know, some of the Branko, Sikatik, Mike Bernardo, mm. like some of these names that you read out, Stefan Leko and Ray Sefo, like th- these are, that was the, to me, looking, and I'm, I'm nearly 49 th- this year, but. When, when I was going up and you watch those and you're in the fight game and you watch you guys going at it, you know, mm. with those sort of names and those names carried on to pro, some of the pride, K1 and, and everything else, like that that was the heydays of – It was a pinnacle. That was a real fight. That was a – you weren't – you yes, you're looking – you're getting paid or you wanted to get paid. That's why you're doing it. Obviously, look after your family. But the prestige of being the K1 winner or the pride champion or – that had probably a lot of prestige, more than probably what a lot of things have these days. Oh, look, it was it was the sport. It was the organisation that everyone wanted to be a part of and very few succeeded. Yeah. Uh, we kept the group very, very tight. Um, sure, K1 wanted just more and more. Uh, but it, 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 its strength, and I say this categorically, its strength was from 93 to about 2001, 2002. Then after that, Probably thanks to me, um, you know. Uh, once I, I, I stepped away with it because of an injury, yeah, uh, for twelve months, and I got a. I'm going into the story, but I, this mm. this is how it all fucked up. To be quite honest, um, I had a shin, really bad shin injury. Yep. Was at a flexion, had a real bad cut, uh, break through the through the shin, not a complete break, and I was told to give six to twelve months off. Yeah, true. So I had a friend of mine who was wrestling with WCW at the time. And he said to me, why don't you come over and trial there? I said, oh, look, I just don't want no impact work for my for Is that me. the wrestling? Wrestling, pro, yeah. Pro wrestling? Pro wrestling in America. it seemed like every time I, like when I had uh, Mark Hunt in, yeah. and always, and a lot of people didn't know, he done some pro wrestling, yeah. but it was all like the K1 guys and the pride, they all shifted and done a bit of pro yeah. wrestling. So obviously yeah. there was still it, some money he, in, in he, the wrestling. It right? was, it was. And I think he would have probably done it in Japan. I did in Japan's hardcore. Yeah, true. Uh, America's a bit more showboaty, so yeah, to speak. yeah. But yeah, I went over and scored a three-year deal yeah, over there okay. and signed for a three-year mega deal, which was really good. Um, and then after a year and a half, I was there. I was filming a movie back in Australia, and um, the company went bankrupt. Oh. The, the Turner Group went bankrupt, which yeah. is only one of his company, one of millions of his companies. Yeah, true. That. Um, so I had no fire contracts. It really didn't worry me. But that's where I met Bob Sap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. At the time. Yep. And I'm the one who instigated Bob Sap coming over to. Yeah, to yeah. K one and I remember you saying, yeah. Yeah. So and that I think that was the that was the start to the end, meaning for all that my you know, Peter Ertz, Ernesto Hoost, Andy Hug, uh, yeah. who has Mirko, Mike Bernardo, Jerome Labana, et cetera, et cetera, for all the stuff that and and that we worked for so hard to make K one the top of the sport, yes. it all went quickly downhill when I introduced Bob to uh K one. Bob was very animated. Yeah, yeah. Great spokesperson. Yeah. Um, couldn't fight to fucking save his life. Yeah. <laughs> but if he hit you, if he hit you, how many oh, hit you, he would have put you through I, the floor. I, yeah, Strong as, because I moved around, sparred with him for so long, even in the wrestling. Um, he'd crush people. But Ernest, Ernest Hoot, Hoot's well, fight come to mind yeah, when you well, see that's, the, that's the a size, yeah, yeah. see the size difference in there. And, uh, you know, did, would it, when you say downhill, did it sort of come along that that's – like it started to turn into a bit of a circus? So what happened was, here's Bob coming in at 180 kilo ripped, yeah? Yeah, right. So this was this was K1's ticket 
to marketing and making a lot of money. Yeah. Surely Bob made a lot of money too. But what happened was they thought, wow, this is a great vehicle. Let's get some more guys in. So they started getting the Chohoman from from uh, Korea. They started yeah, getting right. um, Silva, the other guy, used to wrestle in fighting pride too, seven-footer. Yep. So they got all these big guys. But what happened was the quality of fights and technique was out the door. Started to die. So it became a circus. Yeah, true. And they rode on that for about three or four years, five years. Yep. And it just crashed. Yeah, I, was, I did. I always thought the backstory to that because I'd seen bits and pieces after K one, and then I didn't start taking notice when Bob jumped in there, and there was a few others, and I was no, like, "No, it was all over." I that, lost interest. So after that's that. so that's so that's so. What really hurt the organisation then, besides besides you know the promoter yeah, avoiding avoiding paying tax and got yeah. a jail term and everything else, so that was all our well earned money. I didn't go anywhere. But <laughs> um, look, irrespective, that's that's was that's exactly what it was his demise. And I think the Japanese fans, when we were fighting at our prime, I could fight you today and fight you in three months' time and fight you again next year and the year after yeah. and just get a standing ovation. That was them. Yeah, yeah. The moment right. these big guys came in, it was a circus. Yeah. It became they became a laughing stock. Sure it was probably good for, for promotions and everything else and commercials and you name it. But it did nothing for the yeah. fight game. It just ruined it. And that yeah. was it. So, you know, am I to blame for that? No, not directly I'm not, but I brought K one a guy they made a hell of a lot of money out of yeah, it. Yeah, true that. Yeah. You know, made a hell of a lot of money out of it. But he's a guy who's probably, st I think he's still going around living in Thailand now, poor Bob. Is he? And just going around fighting for five, 10 grand, just falling over people. Really? Stupid. But yeah, you got to have some that's, dignity. That's, uh, you got to have dignity and pride somewhere along the line, don't 100%, you? 100%. Yeah, that's, that's the sad part about this game is you, you get idolized people and, and when they become. You know, the the word I use, legends or all-time greats, I don't really use that often these days because everyone's saying the word for someone who's had three fights and won a belt. Oh, they're the goats. They're like the Mark Hunts, yourself. Ray the, Sefu, the, all those Ray guys, Sefu. man. These, these are, all, these are, these these are guys I, that are greats, yeah? I, I class you know, goats Whether I'm well. in there or not, it doesn't not matter. But what I'm trying to say is these are the guys that put kickboxing yeah. – on the map. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Worldwide. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know? But they and fought who, who's of who too. Yeah, like I it thought, wasn't the, the Bob Saps for comedy reasons. No, it's, no. But that's why K1 was so interesting it for so long. It was a fucking punch on. Because <laughs> you knew whether you guys have fought three times Didn't over matter. the last two years, you know, fuck, you're going to have an entertaining fight. Get your popcorn out. It's on. And that's and that's what the Japanese, and that's why they were filling arenas, you know, from, from 30,000 to 100,000 is because they didn't care. They knew there yeah. was a war. It was on. Yeah. That was it. There yeah, was no yeah. two ways about it. And, you know, you either got through or you didn't get through, but you'd come back to see another day and yeah. they always applauded you. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know? And that's yeah. that's why Japan, I call it my second home. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was like if you picture the old days, like if we lived in the old days, like in Rome, the gladiator days, that was like what it looked like watching it on TV where the Japanese crowds, like the stadium's full and then the two guys going at it, it was like a gladiator fight. Because you knew it was real and it was like to the death. Yeah, look, it was it, the entertainment side of things. You know, uh, they started really getting to the entertainment side of things. Perhaps they could have done a little bit more with that, but it was awesome. You know, we were yeah. lo well looked after, you know, through training, through the fighting. You know, we we're given, you know, endorsements, commercials, royalties, um, you know, and so on and so on. But like I said, uh, everything that's good comes to an end somewhere yeah, along the 100%. line. You know, the way it came to an end, I wasn't too happy about because yeah. it absolutely destroyed, destroyed it. Destroyed us. Yeah. Um, but um, overall, you know, I look back and I think to myself, I can't believe that I'm 
you know, I mean, I can, but I can't actually believe that I was part of that era 100%. and part of history. That, that's that's you know? always something to look back at and just go, wow. Just look at the mirror mm. sometimes and go, wow. Mm. The only thing, the only thing I would like the guys, and we, we've been talking about it with Peter because I see Peter Ernesto, Sammy oh, yep. Shields. I see them a fair bit. I talk to them a fair yeah, bit. Yeah, nice. I actually spoke to them two days ago. They're yep. in Bulgaria at the moment doing some work. Yeah. Um, we're trying to revive the heavyweights again. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Peter, myself, and a few of the others trying to get together where ex-fighters become coaches yep. and we bring our students together yep. um, for well, a student versus student punch on. Wonder, I mean, so you, can't, you, you, can't use the, you can't use the K1 anymore, can you? Because all pride because UFC own that or yeah. Zuffa yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but Zuffa, yeah. Geez, it would be good to see all the old heads get together yeah. and go, let's bring back that sort of – and you'd probably do it have to do it in Japan, would you? Oh, that's because exactly the, that's exactly where we're going to do it. Film? We've got some sponsorships. Uh, we've got some sponsors that we're the Peter's talking to at the moment. So if it happens, um, the other thing I've been talking to the guys about is, you know, there, there should have been a Hall of Fame. Yeah, K one, man. At least some form of recognition. Yeah. You know, we lost Andy and we lost uh, Mike Bernardo. Um, that, that's where that's where UFC do things so well. Yeah, at, and I, at, at that stage, not paying wise, but. Just their recognition, for even old times, if they have a dispute with someone and they're still welcomed in the Hall of Fame, um, yeah, geez, it would have been good to have. Yeah, so I, like I, don't, I, don't, I don't know whether it's something that we should po or pose a question to the UFC. Yeah, okay. You know, um, now that they own those rights. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah that's, I, that's I, I don't, I don't know, but it would be nice. It would be. It would be definitely to um, it would be nice. some of those names because – even the young ones growing up today, and you and you say those names, some of them won't even know who they are. But no. you're like, wow! If they just had something there, recognition, and then they could go back and watch some of these fights, they would sit there and go, wow! That that was the era. Yeah, that it was, was the era. It, it was tough. It was enjoyable, and we were K one brothers. Yeah, yeah. You know, before the fight, we'd be eating together, having a drink together. After the fight, we'd do exactly the same. But when it come to the fight, fuck it, was a war. Yeah. And the and the Devil. and the fans like Japanese fans. Oh, magnificent! The, the, best, probably best fans the best in the world. on on best, the planet. Yeah, best fans in the world, man. You know what? You very 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 rare. I think in all my career, I don't think probably once I've only once I think I've heard some uh, some of the fans booing. But other than that, they never boo. Yeah, they prefer not to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, out of respect. Yeah, because they knew what it took. Probably took to get into there and yeah, do that. Yeah, and, and you know, each, each have each have their own favourite. Yeah, uh, which is which is what made us popular. You know, yeah, true. Um, and you know, it's, I always said to you know, I even say to Jimmy and I say to all my fighters today, you know, it's your fans who make you. It's yeah, that yeah. the bum they put on the seat that make you popular. Correct. You know, it doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost you a cent to be nice to someone, but it'll cost you two if you're not. Hundred percent. Yeah. I said, you know, when someone goes out of their way, excuse me, you know, uh, Rick, can I, you know, can I, um. You know, can I get an autograph? And, yeah. you know, you tell the guy to piss off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not if you only lost him, you've lost him and probably all his friends. Friendly so friends, all yeah. I'm saying to you is, you know, obviously depending on, this, on, the, on the time and everything else, but there's yep. a way you talk to people and a way you approach people. And yep. I always try and give the people the time of day. Yeah, yeah. And I just think what you give is, you know, what you reap is what, you know, or what That's you get right. back yeah, at the huh? end of the day. So what you sow, what you reap, you get yep. back. But um no, we think, need them. Yeah. We need them. Without them, the sport would be fucking dead. Yeah, well, that's yeah. We've seen that through the the COVID period too. So mm. that's yeah. It's always, even though it was good to still compete through COVID, especially for yourself, like Jimmy, uh, Jimmy and the crew. But it, there's a difference when there's fans there on top of that. 
Oh, yeah. You know, the yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been around NRL, I've been around the, the fight game, but the passionate oh, AFL fans, they're, they're next them, level. Mate. You won't beat them. next level. I've been at the grand finals where there's 100,000 people, and uh, let me tell you, it's it's an atmosphere. It's an experience, isn't it's it? It's an atmosphere, but more so an experience of a lifetime. And I, if anyone's listening, you know, I'd be saying, hey, get your kids, get your family. <laughs> try and get if, a ticket yeah, Try and get a ticket. One year. Get out there, whether it's this year, next year. Yeah. Get out there and you'll appreciate what the sport's about. It's a buzz. Yeah. And you won't get it anywhere nah, else. I, I, I love it these days. I didn't, Obviously, New South Wales, Queensland, we were sort of more rugby league. But since moving down here, even when it's on TV, I'll just switch over the AFL these days because i starting to understand, understand what's going on. But the fans, when you're at the stadiums, because we go to Marvel a lot, mm. And damn, man, we, we buy the little cheap tickets and we just sit in the chairs and you just hear. And, and it's amazing because you, you see sitting behind you is grandma, grandfather, <laughs> daughter, husband, child, yeah. baby. It's a family affair. And, and all of them. I'm not saying one or two of them. The whole family is yelling and cursing mm. and they're into it. And That's- me and Rob, you know, not experiencing <laughs> it. This has been a good experience. We're just like... This is crazy stuff down here, yeah. and that's that's why we've we've loved the Melbourne so far. Obviously, outside the lockdowns, but just the the cultural and the sporting part of this sporting this city. capital, sporting capital of Australia. I, I, think, I think it's nearly of the world because mm. how many how many cities in general have every sport that we have in Melbourne? It's it's a crazy it's a crazy city, and such a colonial type of city. It's yeah, it's, it's an experience of a lifetime. You know, you're talking about those major events. When people talk about Australia, people talk football. Yeah. They talk about Melbourne, talk yep. about football. Yeah. Um, and that's that's their home sport. You know, yeah. there's also tennis, there's also cricket, but football's the key. Yeah, football's yeah, 100%. The key. It's such you know? a massive, massive sport, a massive business. Oh, it's is, a massive business. Yeah, outside of massive. that. When you say it's a sport, it's not a sport, it's a business. It's a business. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a thriving business uh, from what I see, but the – but you can't, as you say, you can't do th- these things without crowds. And when you're getting, when you're getting to a semi-final, and it's not even a semi-final. Even when you just get to a home game and you got seventy thousand people, like you go to NRL and they're pushing twelve or thirteen thousand. Mm. There's the difference. You go. That's why they're doing it wrong. Because for me, outside looking in, it's the grassroots of AFL that are getting the kids living and breathing it since they're born. As soon as they're born. You talk about the team you barrack for, and some you of the educate them at home. Oh man, that's what's yeah. happened. That's what's happened in Melbourne and AFL. Different to what I see, like NRL. You know, they've they've let go of the ball in in that regard. But that experience wise, it's yeah, it's a crazy. AFL crazy is a, AFL is a very fast, very fast, low impact now yeah. as opposed to what it used to be. Low impact sport as opposed to NRL. I love NRL because I'm a contact person. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter whether there's 12,000 people in the crowd. Yeah. If I'm sitting in there in the crowd, you can hear those those tackles from oh, fucking way back. True that. You know, in today's world in the AFL, you barely can tackle people anymore. No. And purely because of all the injuries, sustained injuries and everything yeah. else. So, But geez, it's fast. I just, yeah, I, very that's what, fast. That's what it makes it well, so exciting, gotta be a, isn't it? You, you, you don't, you've got to be an athlete. You've got to be a runner to play the game, not true. a footballer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In 100%. going back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had to be a footballer. Yeah. You know, and there'd be the the mixture of the NRL yep. uh type techniques and 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 part of that game was involved yeah, in yeah. the AFL, you yep. know. But now they've cleaned it all up purely for the safety of and the longevity of yeah, uh, yeah, the, players. the players. 
Yeah. Because you, you never can think like it's so close, the games, and they'll kick a goal and you're like, wow, we're 10 in front. That doesn't mean anything these days. No. Next minute, two minutes later, oh, my God, we're losing by two or something. With a like minute that. to go, they that, can kick three goals. That's what I mean. That's the, that's the exciting part that I've found and being educated in the AFL <laughs> <laughs> from just watching punches in the face and kickings <laughs> to the leg. So, uh, But you finish your career, uh, retired in 2005, five-ish roughly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're working. Work Never officially days. retired. Never announced my retirement. No. Nah. And you know why? Because there's always, there's always time to come back. Besides that, besides that, I just felt that my job's not done. Yeah. My job's not done. And yeah. I mean, if I retire, then I would have felt like saying I retired away from the sport. Yeah, yeah, true. Me I not saying I, I, I've stepped back. Yeah. I've stepped back is what I say. And I was still involved in the sport, heavily yeah, involved yeah, in the yeah. sport in many different yeah. facets. How, did, how yeah. did you and Jimmy come across? Obviously, when you started coaching, yeah, they look. And Jimmy crossed I, your I've path. I've been coaching for a while. No, no, I've been coaching for a while through a mutual friend of mine, through uh, Richard Norton. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And um, got him on the podcast and, hopefully soon. Yeah, uh, Richard Norton and Stewie Molden over from uh, Bendigo, which was Jimmy's uh, jiu-jitsu coach. Okay, yeah. They come over to see me one day uh, and were telling me about Jimmy. Jimmy wasn't with them at the time. And they said that this kid's raw, he's got a lot of talent, you know, um, he has aspirations of fighting and blah, 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 blah whatever yeah. it was. And I just said, look, sounds all good. Yeah. And I never take anyone on straight away. Yeah. I basically say, look, give him, give, get him to come let down me, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And let me see what he does and um, give me two weeks with him and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk. Yeah. Sure enough, invited the kid down, super ego. He drove out. He was working as a – I think he worked as a plumber then, second okay. year plumber. Yeah. Um, refrigerating plumbing, I think he was yeah, doing yeah, or something yeah. like that. And, and um, he came down. He was early for training, gave it his all, um, super strong, very, very, very hard-headed in terms of the stuff that he'd done. Uh, he was prepared to sit there and brawl with anyone. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, really tough kid. But when you in between the lines – I could see a lot of talent in this kid. Yeah, true. He was just eager to want to yeah. succeed. Yeah. You know, he had this drive in yeah. him. Um, so, you know, I, I said to the boys two weeks later, I said, um, I'm happy to take him on. You know, these are the days of the conditions and so on. And here's a kid who would drive, would go to work in the morning, get up at whatever time, five o'clock in the morning, go to work, finish work and drive to training two hours and then two hours back after a, a long day. Um, make decisions such as, fuck, I don't have enough money for petrol, but I've got to eat at the same time. And this is gospel truth. Yeah. What do I do? But I want to get to training and wouldn't buy his lunch to get petrol to come to training. Wow. That fucking tells you a lot about a kid, yeah? That's what, I, that's what I said before, yeah? that very rarely these days when someone can, you, you look as a coach, you look and go, that's who I'll put my time into. Yeah. And he's and this kid has got good morals, comes from a really good family. Um, you know, he's a he's a homeboy, meaning he's loved by his family. It's not broken of any sort. Um he's he was eager to rise and succeed very, very quickly. Um and in saying that, I think it was a great rise, and I think what he's done is remarkable over a short period of time. But now we've hit that that not the crossroad we've hit that 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 rock that we just need to fucking blow this thing up now yep. dissect it break it down yep. and we're ready to go to our next step so and he's seen that Jimmy's uh, obviously um, we incurred an injury in his in his last fight 
uh, with his knees, had to have a knee rico. Yeah. But like I said, this is this is um, this has probably been a blessing in disguise. I was say, sometimes those, yeah. those little it, injuries, you think, oh, this has cruel me. No, no, it's given him, it's, it's given him time to a think. Blessing in it's disguise. given him time to think. It's given him time to work on himself, uh, work on different training aspects, uh, putting a plan into place. Um, you know. Hitting the ground with a purpose every fucking morning. Yeah, That's yeah. basically it. Yeah. Rather than just going to training, yeah. hitting the ground with a purpose. He knows what he wants out of this. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some long chats after his last fight. And um, mate, there was times there Jimmy and I used to clash head to head. But I said, hey, go away. Have a think about what I said. And he knew I was always come from a, from a good place. Yeah. And, you know, I can, I can tell you, you know, we've had disagreements at, at training. And I just let him sit on it. And the next day he'll ring me and go, you know what, coach? He goes, yep. He goes, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you know, he goes, I just thought it was this. I said, Jimmy, let's just be open. It's the best way we can be. 100%, yeah. And I, I and I don't just say it to you, I say it to everybody because that's the best way to learn. Yeah. You know? Um, and if I can help you within your sport, I will. If I can help you outside your sport, yeah, I will. Yeah. If I can do whatever I will. And we're very supportive of each other. And um, that's what makes the unity. That's yeah, what makes yeah, that, that bond so strong. Hundred percent. You know, and everyone else sees that and but everyone feels that it's it's there for them too. And I say, no, you've got to work on it. Yeah, it's a trust thing. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be able to trust you. You trust me. Well, that, that makes a that makes a great relationship in anything. Great team, great relationship. Anything. Yeah. Trust, communication is communication say, is the key. The two the two the key. keys uh, key. in in that sort of in that sort of scenario. Yeah, but no, it's yeah because I see. Yeah, he's he seems like a good. I've never met him personally, but yeah, no, he's, 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 he's absolutely he's, he's absolutely beautiful kid. It's like I said, with him, you know, people say about education at school. Yeah. And education doesn't start at school. Education no. starts at home. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's where I think society's lacking these days. Hundred percent. With with some parents are too busy still keeping up with the the Joneses or keeping up with are. social media. Got yeah. to look the part. Got to make out. I'm living a million dollar life on my budget of a dollar. Mm. You know, just to I don't know, just to project things to people. But um, but no, that's that's a great story with with Jimmy. And oh, I hope you know once he does come back and you guys, you know. Oh no! Look, I, 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 can, I can rest assured that this kid um, will will come out trumps at the end. Yeah, I know yeah. he will in whatever whatever yeah, he does. Well, he is. He's determined to succeed. Yep. Um, he knows exactly what's involved now. Yep. We've we've spoken about this. We've sat the sat down because as much as I got to do my homework, he needs to do his. And yeah, we've, true that. You know, it's it's one of the things that. You know, when I first started coaching, was no, no. You look, you look at the fights and just tell me. And I said, no, no. We need to be on the same page. Yeah. You got to look at this. We're going to look at the same picture. Yeah. But you might be looking at it a bit differently than me. Yeah. That's right. That's so right. we're going to talk about it. Yep. So, um, so all that. Look, all that's come to fruition. It's it's mm. been it's been great. And I use Jimmy as an example to a lot of my other guys. Yeah. Because the relationship's not perfect. No, no, no. And it never will be. No. You know. And if a, it is, a perfect, something's wrong. Yeah, a perfect relationship yeah. causes complacency. Like yeah, I said it before. Complacency is cancerous. Yes, yeah, You know? So uh, yeah. I'm glad that it's not and we've got our differences. Yeah, That's what yeah. makes us so unique. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 really good. So we'll see a lot yeah. more of him in the um, in the coming months. Yeah. So yeah, um, no, I can't wait. It should be good. Yeah. So once the coaching-wise acting started. Yeah. And uh, what was it? What was it like? I mean, you, as you say, you work with Rich Norton, who's on the Mad Max movie at the moment, um, and hopefully I'll get him on the Rich Life uh, projects down the track. But, um, you know, going from from that, obviously you're fight consultant, you're doing a lot of advisory stuff with martial arts uh, as, as someone as your stature would. But turning you to real life fighting and then making a lot of friends in the acting world and then changing all that to to acting. What what was that? Like obviously it would have been a buzz. It's in, look in it, one way. It definitely is. It's 
living your living your life on a different high. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Um, look, and thanks to Richard Norton, we mentioned his name before. He was the guy that sort of introduced me to acting in 1993 or 94, I think it was, on one of his first movies here. It was an Australian production called Under um, the Gun. Under the Gun, well, yeah. Was, yeah, Under the Gun, and you who were. You? What was your name? I was just trying to Oh, think. yeah, good, good, good. good. Uh, what was my name in that? I can't Some remember. Fist of, the fist of- no, it was, no, no, the, the name of, the, no, it was Under the Gun. Um, you got me yeah, on this. I'm, I'm okay. sort of punchy from my last fight, <laughs> I think. But anyway, so that, that, that sort of gave me a leg in and um, we had some great time. Yeah. I did a lot of the scenes with Richard Norton, who I've known for a while. Yeah. Been a great friend, still is. And uh, it sort of spoiled from there. And the yep. year after, I got something else and something else until I eventually did a major, a major movie, Scooby Doo the movie. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which still showing today, thank God. Yeah. Um, play Zarkos in that alongside Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr., yeah. Rowan Atkinson, and tried all to those attack people. poor old Daphne. Yeah, yeah, good old <laughs> Daphne. Um, you know, I did also doubled uh, Stone Cold Austin in the Condemn the movie. Yeah, yeah, which was Vinnie Jones. That, yeah, some of the movies uh, Condemned, Two Fists, One Heart. The two Fists, a, One Heart. A boxing, yeah. a boxing, boxing uh, underbelly. Yep. Everyone, you know, in Australia, everyone paid attention to the <laughs> underbelly because that's everyone wants to be a gangster. It was, it was the life then, I suppose. Yeah, back in the day, and you would, as I say, growing up in Melbourne, and I grew and up the, with all of them. And I was going to say, and obviously being friends with a lot of those mm. crew and just seeing it firsthand. It was close to my heart, unfortunately, yeah, and. Yeah, um, it, was, it would have been crazy times, and and obviously getting to know uh, Paulie Fennick. Oh yeah, with the pizza. with the pizza <laughs> fat pizza comedy yeah. show, and yeah, a lot of people knew you from from that comedy show as well. But as you say, Scooby Doo was the. Did you do any movies after the Scooby Doo? Oh yeah, I've done a lot of TV stuff after that. Uh, did um, what is it called? Uh, Killing Time, which is oh, the okay. Anza Fraser story with the lawyer that got went to jail because of drugs and everything else. Okay. Uh, he was representing a lot of the underbelly guys yeah. too. Uh, did that? Did um, uh, Rush TV series Rush uh, Australian Gangster? Yeah. Uh, God, that's right. And it goes on and on. Yeah. It goes on and on and on. So a lot of you know, I'm sort of stereotyped to play this this uh, this stand-over good good standover not standover man, sort of good baddie, but yeah. Um, a lot of them I get shot in because they know I'm dangerous. <laughs> Uh, in real life, but no, uh, no. All jokes aside, it's, it's been an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah. I actually got offered a role over uh, a ten-part series in New Zealand, which started August, but I couldn't get over because I was oh, travelling sure. at the time. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that would have been another one which yeah. was showing on standard ten-part series. But uh, look, the offers come. I don't. It's not primarily my 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 top job. Yeah. Um, I don't call myself an actor. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, in the acting world today, ninety-eight percent. Or ninety nine percent of sorry ninety five percent of the actors are all unemployed. Five percent actually work. Yep. So, uh, geez, I hate to call myself an actor, but um, <laughs> I'll be sort of on the end of the list. Yeah, but, but, yeah just just but amazing. It's, it's what been you've awesome, done, but... and I met some beautiful people. Yeah. You know, uh, through my management too, who Village Roadshow at the time. Yeah. Um, they were making movies. They a lot of them made, lot of, they made a lot of the Matrix movies yeah, and everything yeah, else. True that. Yep. So they run all the big cinema companies and movie companies around the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. I was very fortunate to meet some great big names. Yeah, yeah. That people would dream of. So, yeah. um, yeah. What did you say, Steve? Cold, uh, Cold, Stone Cold. Stone Cold Austin. Obviously, a massive a wrestler, but you were his, uh, you, you were his, his double. double. Yeah, 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 I, worked right. with him. I worked with him. Is It was quite funny when we were on set. Richard was on set doubling Vinnie Jones at the time, too. Uh, and yeah, uh, right So, Vinnie Jones turned around to, uh, <laughs> to Richard while Stone Cold was next to me because we were doubling each other's. 
telling each other, well, virtually making them look good. Yeah. And Vinny goes, hey, you know, camera gets me from here to here. That's my job. He goes, just fucking make me look good. Yeah, That's right. all. He goes, just make me look good. So he had his priorities yeah, and things. Yeah, yeah. But look, Stone Cold, great guy, absolutely yep. great guy. He's a boy's boy, man, a man's man. And um, Beautiful, yeah. he um, obviously has bad knees and oh, there's so much, so much he could do. But, um, yep. oh, you know, from wrestling. And, from wrestling, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He carries a lot of injuries. But, um, yeah, I did all his fight scenes, most of his falls and everything else. Yeah, right. So I did, but uh, you know, even through his wrestling, a lot of those bumps and falls, man, they're all real. The blood's I, I, real. I, I, Don't kid yourself. Gonna, I, I gonna, did it. It's, I was it. just about to say when you yeah. do see these the Hulk Hogan's and all that, and then you actually see docos after they're finished, they're fighting, they're on medication, their back, they're like their back's gone, their legs they are gone. Can't walk out without medication. Yeah, that's it's amazing how many actual injuries. When people go, oh, that's not even real, but when you're jumping from a, a top rope. You're slamming into the ground. You're slamming out onto a body. You're getting, you know, sometimes even in practice you slip and you you do hit them or kick them or whatever else. Yeah, it's amazed to see from an outsider's point of view how many actual injuries they carry outside of their retirement. They carry a lot. It's fucking I, incredible. I, th yeah, I think it's, it's like a fighter when they retire and they've been purposely contact – they're just, they're just the same as what a wrestler was. The rules of wrestling is this. If you're not dead, you keep going. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. I was wrestling in Japan, come from America, went over to Japan, and the All Japan said to me, would you like to wrestle? I said, yeah. So they, they made a main event, and it was a tag team main event. Okay. So I became a Mexican. So one of the Descaris, <laughs> Junior Descaris, was my partner. His dad was a great wrestler. Is that where you had to wear the mask? Mask, yeah. So Me Mexicans wear masks. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, so we teed off on these other two two guys and um, the match was going well. And one of my finish moves was off the top rope. It was called the GKO, the Greco yeah. knockout. And so I throw the guy to the turnbuckle and he feeds out. I hit the top rope, hit him with a back spinning kick. He hits the ground. I climb up the ropes, get up. I open my hand like a crucifix and I jump off doing a – he feeds up in the middle of the ring and then I, I jump off doing a sidekick, catch him flush. Wow. Pin him, three, it's supposed to be over. Yeah. So um, I throw him to the turnbuckle, hit him with a back spinning kick, he hits the ground, I get up there, open crucifix, thumbs up, the crowd goes berserk. Now, he's fed up a bit too far in the middle of the ring now. It's too far away now. I can look like a real dickhead and try and walk down yeah. and reset myself, but it's going to look shit. <laughs> so I'm thinking, fuck, what am I going to do? So the crowd's popping and he's sort of staring a little bit towards me, still too far. I thought, fuck, i got to go. And yeah. I pushed off as hard as I can. I couldn't even pull the kick because he was that far. I hit him flush, but the leg, my other leg down the bottom yeah. was stiff. And as soon as I hit the ground, my knee snapped oh, completely. No. So I broke my knee completely. Yeah, it was just hanging there. So oh. the, as I said, the rules of wrestling, if you're not dead, you keep going. So oh, I've yeah. pinned him, but as I've pinned him, I've gone, I've fucking broken my knee, right? Yeah, yeah. Talking right, to him. One, yeah, talking to him, right, a Japanese kid, and he's kicked out, which was what it was because it was supposed to be a false finish because my partner now was supposed to come in and <laughs> do his, his gig on the guy, oh, another guy. Wow. So he kicks out, and I've literally crawled to the corner, tagged my partner in, he comes in, the crowd's going berserk, right? We, we're riding this thing home as much as we can. <laughs> so I get the ropes. I'm trying to stand up. I stand up and I legitimately cannot stand. Oh, right? man. Now I've got to come in and save him. Oh, right. right. right? <laughs> so all I've got to do is come in, save him, and punch the bloke and powder out and get out. Yeah. 
So I'm coming in and all I could do is literally walk and hobble in a straight line <laughs> and the crowd's going berserk. They're thinking, this is fucking great. And I went to punch the guy and I leant on my front foot, the uh, bad one. My knee's given way and I've caught him flush uh, on the chin. So I've rocked him. He's got up. He's given me the biggest boot in the guts, legitimate boot wow. in the guts. I've rolled out of the ring. He's come <laughs> out. He's literally stomped on me out of anger, right? Uh, and I've grabbed him, ankle locked him, pushed him down and he snapped his knee. I said, fucking broken my knee. Fucking broken my knee. He's given me the last kick. And I'm going, oh, I couldn't breathe anymore. Wow. So he's finally realized I was injured. Meanwhile, my guys, my partner's in there, does his Frankenstein off the top rope and we win the match. Oh. He's going to be coming in the ring because we're winning the match. I go, no, I can't, I can't. Literally, it was holding me open on the outside. We walk back as the moment I've hit the back of the curtain and I've left the crowd, I've just collapsed. And a doctor's come. He's literally <laughs> grabbed my knee, my leg, and oh, yeah. going from left to right, snapped Shh. it clean. Oh. I, and, could, I couldn't even look so at that. So the crowd thought it was a big gimmick. He's going, oh, it looks great. Look this at the knee. looks great. I've broken it. <laughs> I've broken it. So they're the rules of wrestling. So wow. that's that's what made me keep going. I was determined to finish at all costs. But do they injure themselves? Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. You wow. take bumps and falls. Your neck's the first thing to go. Really? Yeah, your neck is the first from the bumps and falls. It's, it, a, it's the same as jiu-jitsu too. As yeah. much as jiu-jitsu is a beautiful – I crush my neck for doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, that's – as much as I – sometimes I think, oh, I wouldn't mind getting into jiu-jitsu. And I think to myself – you know how you wake up in the morning with your all your knees and your neck and your elbows? That's not a good idea. Oh, I'm a jigsaw in the morning. Yeah, there's yeah. Part, oh. There's parts, there's, there's pieces that are missing. I'm trying to put myself <laughs> together, trying to get to work, you know, but it's oh. uh, fun times. But, yeah, look, I've got some great memories. And, oh, uh, definitely, definitely. And and, and people, and fans who have watched you over the time have got some great memories too, whether it's K1, Kyokshin, acting. At the end of the day when you – obviously you're – Continue at present with what you're doing. What, what was the best advice you received from from someone? Coaches, friends, family? Uh, no, look, the, the best advice I ever received from from a particular person, which was my mentor, coach, father figure, Graham Burke was my um, my manager, still is my manager. Yeah, true. 35, 35 years down the track, we're wow. still we're still uh, in contact pretty much weekly. Yep. Um, he just said, in order to succeed in life, son, he goes, do what you're good at and pay people what you're bad at and you never go wrong. Yeah, true. Wow. You know, we, 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 we try to do so many things. You know, as a little wog growing up in a little house, yeah. you, know, you know, Italian background, uh, sorry, Italian family, um, you know, we'd cut the lawn, wash the concrete, fucking wash the house. You know, if there's a puncture, we'd have to fix the puncture. If the lights went out, yeah. we had to change the globe. We became yeah. electricians, we became bricklayers, yeah, we became true, everything, true, yeah. True. So we're wasting our time and not actually living life. Yeah, right. And one that's, of the greatest that's... lessons, and I won't go into it, but one of the greatest lessons he taught me was do what you're good at and pay people what you're bad at and you never go wrong. Wow, that's so, that's so um, and that's and that's the honest truth. And that's sometimes we waste our time to save that dollar, but it costs you a hundred. Yeah, right. On the other end that you're not making. And if there if there was a a young uh, female or male, uh, you know, and you had to give them advice, would that be similar, or what would you have? What sort of advice would you give the youngins these days? What we call the young ones. Oh, look, uh, coming the, up? the advice I'd give to anyone, including my kids, and I say this, you know, we can we can sit there and you know, and and t I can tell you how bad or how good my life is, yeah. you know, but just be fucking grateful that you can wake up and you've got one. Hundred percent, you know, 100%. and you've got one. So every time your feet hit the ground in the morning, be blessed, mate. You're yeah. blessed. That's all you are. You're blessed. Yeah. You know, hit the ground with a purpose. Yeah. Get up with a purpose. And did you did you find a lot of that uh, more 
because obviously you had that heart attack uh, a couple of years ago now. Did you find a different perspective on everything you've done in your life and then having a heart attack and then having a bit of more like going, holy shit, more perspective on, as you say, probably not taking on fighters that don't give you any time or or just in general life? Did you did anything really happen after that? Well, I'll tell you what resonated. What resonated after my heart attack is what was valuable and what wasn't. 100%. And the key thing that's value is fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Full stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and and loving people around you, you know, the, the, the people that genuinely care, love them back. And so sort of the, the, the thing that, that really, besides that, that resonated was, was I, I prioritized things. I started putting things in priority and saying, right, the things that I used to worry about, mm. and I'll give you an example, you know, your life might be great now. You're doing these podcasts, and I've got another one straight after that. Next yeah. week, I've got another two, three. Yeah. And when people say, "Hey, can you do this?" I'm like, "Look, I'm busy at the moment, but we'll do it. We'll do it." Yeah. And all of a sudden, as busy as you think you are, that you've got no time in the world, yeah. right? And things can't operate with without you. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have a heart attack, and you're in hospital. And you think, "Shit, what right. happened to all those things I was supposed to do that I can't do now?" Life's still going on. Exactly right. Life still. Goes Everyone on else's life still goes on. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying to you is. Work out what brings you joy. Yes. Works out what work out what makes you money yep. to pay. Yeah. You know your lifestyle, your family's lifestyle, yep. and don't waste time on shit. Yeah. And honestly, at, and at present, when you and going off the back of that, what is what is Sam Greco's rich life these days after everything you've gone through, and as you say with the heart attack, and I, at present, what gives you that warm feeling, that that love in your heart, your rich life for Sam Greco these days. I think the fact that I wasn't taken in my – I had two heart attacks. Two heart attacks. Yeah, the first one I had a stent put in. The second one, when I had it, both training, um, the second one uh, I ended up getting what I really, really despised of because my dad had five, bypa- five bypasses yeah. and I ended up going from getting stents again to a triple bypass. Yep. Yeah. Um, mate, I embrace, I embrace stuff, man. And yeah. you know what? You really need to go through hardship yeah, yeah. to appreciate the goodness. Yep. Yeah. You Nothing need to the truth there. Yeah, you you need to go through hardship. And I'm not saying hardship is good. Yeah. Don't treat it as bad. No, no, no. As Don't treat when it as they bad. say failure. Oh, failure is the end of the world, but you don't know, failure is good. I failed more fucking times yeah, than yeah. I was successful. <laughs> that's what made my success so great. Yeah. The fact that I knew what it was like to fail yep. and to be rock bottom. Yeah. That I know what it's like to be on a high. Yeah. How do you know what's good if you haven't experienced bad, etc., etc.? Hundred percent. So that's my life about today. Is I'm grateful, man. Yeah. I'm super grateful. Yeah. You know, I'm not super religious. I believe in yeah. God. I love God and everything yeah. else. I'm grateful, man. I yeah. really am. And and you know what? What I, I I just look at stuff and I go right. Is it a priority to me right now? Is it going to change my life? Yes. No. Maybe it's going to help someone else. Yes. No. Whatever it may be, and I put it in order. That's yeah. what it. That's what it is. Perfect. And I don't run around like I used to. Yeah. Like you know. You know, before I was making everyone else happy by myself and I was just exhausted by the end, yeah. you know, and I thought that things yeah. couldn't couldn't live on without me, but they can. Yeah. That, that's that's the humble part when, when life, has, oh, yeah. as the old Mike Tyson says, the biggest punch li- ever get. Li- life will humble everyone. A hundred percent it yeah. will. hundred percent. And you know what? More and more at my age now, you hear people, some devastating news of people taking their own lives, yeah. getting sick, dying, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, and the question we all ask ourselves, when's our time? Yeah. But rather than asking when's your time, yeah. just enjoy every yeah, single minute. I was going to say, just, just make the most every of every day now. It's written. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. written for it's all a, of us. It's already done. You so know? Enjoy, enjoy why you're still here. Yeah. Mate, I just, uh, again, thank you for your time. Uh, for the me. Rich Life Projects and uh, I've always, uh, again, I wanted to uh, sit down with you and just rack, rack the brain <laughs> in your stories, mate. And as I say, as a young fellow growing up watching you fight and, and now sort of being sort of a, uh, associate friends with you and, and that, and uh, it's just a, a full privilege for uh, having you on the Rich Life Projects, brother. Thank you for having us, guys. No, nah, appreciate it, brother. Thank appreciate you. it.